Welcome to Toffee Blue View, your source for all things Everton. I'm Jerry. Max and Terry are with me, as, as they always are, usually are, often are. Uh, and and we're, we're going we're gonna to do a little intro and not talk about Everton for a second. Just for a second, all right? Um, new Joker trailer dropped a little while ago, uh, as in yesterday yesterday, however you want to say that, and uh, we have we have opinions, so we're gonna so we're gonna talk about our opinions really quick, and then we'll roll into uh, the the rest of the big show, the actual Everton content. So uh, Joaquin Phoenix playing the Joker in a film uh, directed by Todd Phillips uh, of of uh, let's see here, it was Road Trip, The Hangover, Old School. Uh, I think you said Project X, Max. Uh, yeah, due, due date. It's a due date. It's a it's an interesting choice for a Joker film. So, Terry literally just watched it. So we're gonna we're gonna have his thoughts on it first. Terry, hot off the presses. What's Terry's hot take on this? <laughs> <laughs> it looks good. I was I mean I I was surprised when I saw the trailer because it's still functionally a superhero film because it's you know a comic property but it doesn't even it doesn't seem like it is it's like a character piece isn't it like you know the mm. type of oscar bait sort of films you get around january time where it's like a famous pe- someone does an um a biopic of a famous person that's the kind of film it reminded me of like joaquin phoenix is playing abraham lincoln or someone like that but it's not it's the joker and how well, it's it's like an it's going to be an origin film as well by the look of it mm. and I don't really know where that will fit in in, in a wider universe because there's there's no way at all that they're not planning on having a wider universe with any comic property. It's, it's where the money is. So whether that will, you know, it'll establish him and there'll be a Batman in the film, but he's just off screen or he's not really, you know, a big thing. And then there'll be a jump off where he, you know, there'll be a sequel and it's, you know, Batman's the main character and that Joker already established will, will be in it. But I don't know. I I can't believe, like, physically how, how crazy Joaquin Phoenix looks. He's he's lost, like, a lot of weight to, for the role, hasn't he? He's really thin and really, you know, gaunt-looking, and I I think he'll get some pretty, uh, you know, good chance of getting some big awards for, the, for that if it's as good as it looks. Max... What do you what do you you uh you were saying uh, off off recording that uh you kind of you kind of like old old Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix is the man. Have you seen? You were never really here. Mm-mm. Have you not seen it? No. Give, yeah, give that a watch. Once this is done, mate, it's it'll it like the Joker trailer really has kind of connotations of that film. Mm. Just kind of like. A really lonely, depressed protagonist who kind of goes his own way. Obviously, like I'm trying to think, has Joaquin Phoenix ever done any like superhero films before? I don't think so. No, because so like I just I'd seen him, Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio in 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 the trailer for the new Spider-Man. So it's nice to see, yeah. you know, a variety of different actors going yeah. into like the superhero trope or genre. Him. Um, 
but yeah, I'm a massive fan of Joaquin Phoenix. Um, the master, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. The master's the one that yeah, clinched it for me. The master's brilliant. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of other um, inherent vice. Um, I don't know, my mind's gone blank, but he's he's fantastic. Like the way he kind of embodies a role, and like as it, as Teddy said, like he certainly takes you know he certainly took it seriously in terms of his body image and and method acting, as you say. So can't can't wait for it. I thought he did a really good job in Walk the Line, yep. uh, playing Johnny Cash. One. Yeah, I mean, it, I hmm, the before I watched that movie, it's funny I didn't listen to a lot of Johnny Cash. And so I was like, wow, he does a great job with the music. And then I started listening to Johnny Cash, and I realized how, frankly, far, vastly superior Johnny Cash's music is to Joaquin Phoenix performing it. It, It's vastly superior. (laughs) Listen to it side by side, and and just one's just a much better vocalist. It's just different. However, I still think he did a good job. You know what I mean? I I, still, I would say he's, he is you know, on my list of actors. If I see him in a trailer, I'm interested in watching it, period. I don't yeah. really care what the movie's about usually. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix in, I think, the other movie that I think about him in is when he plays, like, the the emperor in uh, <coughs> uh, Gladiator. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you, know, do you know De Niro's meant to be in this Joker film, too? Yeah, he's just... Yeah, he's, he's in the trailer. In the trailer. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait a minute, I'll have like, to watch it again. I didn't pick him up. One, he's only in one frame, though. You don't see him very long. He, he is in it. But, and I don't know who he'll be, but yeah, he's definitely in it. The correlations that people are drawing, and perhaps the reason he's in it, is there's a lot of, I think, there's a lot of similarities to the Scorsese film, The King of Comedy. Uh, and so there's a lot of, I think, this one... I was never under the impression that this, this may, may be just me being naive. I didn't realize that the Joker was supposed to be a failed comedian. I didn't know that was backstory because, frankly, I sort of like the idea of knowing nothing about the Joker's backstory. You know what well, I mean? The Joker hasn't got an official canon backstory, but yeah. the, the, <laughs> there's one backstory origin um, story which isn't canon but it's really popular I think it's uh, The Killing Joke it's called where he's a failed comedian and it, it's probably going to be um, you know a lot of that in the in the film like I was just from watching the trailer it doesn't look like it's an identical like sort of retelling mm. but it's it's lifting a lot from that um, but yeah you, officially there is no backstory for the Joker for that very reason you don't yeah. like you don't know why he's like that or who he was or what's wrong with him or anything like that so but if there's a re- the Killing Joke is the most popular one so it's sort of like unofficial canon if you get it see i've got i've got a copy of the killing joke at home like the comic like i've got it but i haven't read it in like four or five years you know what i mean so yeah uh that's one of the as far as like batman joker you know like it's one of those you're supposed to read you know what i mean it's it's definitely it's it's very strange it's a strange little comic uh it's good um yeah i'm i am uh, it's a mixed bag for me on this one you know what i mean because what you said right there terry the fact that it feels almost like they've they've put together a trailer that seems like it's oscar fodder it seems like very stereotypical oscar fodder you know what i mean and it's that it's it's that cliche that's kind of bugging me a bit but perhaps they may be utilizing that cliche to make 
a more satirical point. And that's kind of what's getting me excited. Uh, you don't see a lot of unique scenes in the trailer. And my buddy Kyle was saying he's excited about that because he thinks they're saving all the good stuff for the actual movie. Because usually when you see a film that just summarizes the plot, it's a shit movie. It's yeah. awful. It's never yeah. good. <laughs> I hate trailers that give too much away. Mm. And they do it on purpose. I mean, if you watch yeah. the, the Batman versus Superman trailer, it tells you the whole movie. Suicide Squad, yeah. there's your whole movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. All these crap movies, that's what they do. You know? Yeah. It, it's uh. not even a crap movie. Um, this one I'm going to mention, but Iron Man 3 did it. Spoiled the end in the trailer. Oh, dear God. It's like a bit in the trailer uh, um, where he, he puts his hands up and 50 suits all fly down to help him. It's like, that's the big thing at the end. You don't <laughs> know he can do that, but it's it's in the trailer that he does it. So you know in throughout the film that at some point he's going to get a big army of suits to help him. Spoiler alert, anyone who's not seen Iron Man 3, but it's in the trailer, so it can't really be a spoiler. <laughs> See, that's the thing. That's that's the issue. That's one of the things Kyle was saying about trailers <clears throat> in general is they always give too much away. Like, always. And he hates them for that reason. He's an editor. You know what I mean? So uh, I think he's got a point with a lot of those, frankly. Uh, it's because, let's be honest, because a lot of movies are bad. And that's the way, <laughs> you know, that's the way they make the trailers now. And they're so focused on spectacle. That's the Iron Man 3 prob- thing. They were probably like, we need a big image to make sure we're drawing everybody in. And I'm kind of like, well, you're Iron Man 3. I think you'll be okay. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> the first um, movie, Marvel movie, after the Avengers, which was like a record-breaking super hit that like launched Marvel into like the stratosphere. So it was like they didn't really need to give anything away in that trailer. They could have put yeah. anything on it. it; would have sold like like hotcakes. But yeah, uh, well, they they haven't done it since. I think they've they've taken the criticism from that in all the Marvel movies. They don't give away loads in the trailer now. Yeah. In fact, a lot of the Marvel movie trailers, they put in scenes now that aren't in the movie. Like, they put, like, <laughs> parts in still to sell the movie, and they're not, like, completely different, like, you know, vastly different, but they put in little shots that they've clearly filmed for the trailer. I think uh, yeah. that's the way they're going to go now. They'll they add bits of If they want a big shot, but they don't want to give nothing away, they film a new big shot. Ah, well, I mean, I know a lot of times other films have been doing that for a while. They'll just use a quick clip from a deleted scene or a scene that yeah. got cut in a later version. Uh, yeah. I know. I remember a long time ago, the trailer for the film Kingpin had part of it that was not in the movie, and you can tell I'm a like a comedy nerd, and, I, and I'm, I'm like, you know, that scene in the Kingpin trailer is not in the film. You know, it's just such a geeky thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> but they that's they've been doing it for a while. They use deleted scenes for that kind of stuff if they feel like it's got enough spectacle and whatnot. So. Um, so overall, I'm, I'm torn. I, I, I'm going to fully agree with you guys and say Joaquin is a big draw for me. Big draw. Anything. I'm, I'm usually in. Um, this one, I'm just... It's a strange director. It's a strange choice of director based on his previous projects. It's odd. So I don't know what to make of that. Because he makes comedies... And the Joker says it's supposed to be kind of a comedy, but did that trailer feel anything like funny? Like any part of it? No. <laughs> no. So it's just, it's a strange, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious as to how it's going to work. But hey, De Niro. Hey. Hey. Yes. Bobby D. I like it. He, it's okay. He, he lets me call him that. All right. So 
We should move on to talk about Everton things, as seeing as this is an Everton show, right? This is an Everton show. Yes, from what I hear. Um, okay, I got it. Yeah, you just told me, Everton show. All right, so uh, for those of you listening podcast-wise, here's what you've got in store on this particular installment. We're going to preview the Arsenal match because that is happening, and yeah, tough to figure out what to expect. And then we're going to talk a little bit about a Euroka, Euroka, Euroka. Yeah, that's a thing, Jerry. What the hell is wrong with you? Europa League. We're going to talk a little bit about Europa League. Is it a poison chalice? Is it a thing where we shouldn't even be worrying about it? What are our chances of actually getting in there? Uh, yeah, we're just going to talk about Europa League in general, how we feel about it and all that stuff. Um, or is it a situation like Terry said last time? Do we need to even talk about it? It's a good question. All right. So, uh, and then we're going to have a quiz. It's another starting 11 quiz um, because we know these guys like them and they're really good at them. So, yeah, that's that's the thing that's going to happen. All right. And um, so let's move in. Arsenal preview. Right now they are currently fourth in the table. They've been playing pretty well. Uh, 19-6-6 and on 63 points. Recently, they beat Newcastle 2-0, beat Rennes 3-0 in Europa League in order to advance to the next round after they had lost a few weeks before to the same team, uh, and they overcame the deficit, and actually they were able to go, and they beat United 2-0. All right. I'm not going to go into possible starters um, just because I don't like talking for too long in a row. I don't feel like the world needs that. So let's start with let's go with Max to start because every time we've been going to, with Terry and you know what Terry at this point is a flipping regular, so Max, you know let's go with you. What how are you feeling about this particular matchup? Don't give me any predictions or anything, but uh, the job that you feel like uh, you know the new manager's doing and everything, players they brought in. How are you feeling about this Arsenal team? Well, I, I remember writing a piece on Arsenal about Unai Emery a, a few months back, and I think I think you can kind of sweep them with the same brush as the likes of Chelsea and Manchester United, and that you know after well maybe more so with Manchester United after you know such a long-standing manager in in, in Arsene Wenger, it it's never it's never going to be you know an easy transition, is it? After mm. he's won the chat, he's won the. Um, Premier League there, he won several FA Cups and I think the Arsenal fan base are a, a strange one at that. I think they, to win consecutive FA Cups like they did and still feel dissatisfied with with team performance in relation to, to league finishing, uh, I think particularly as an Evertonian that still hasn't seen us win anything in my lifetime, it, it is quite flabbergasting. But uh, as you say there, the, the they look like now they've kind of found the groove and they're in a good run of form. Arguably, you know, it's it's two form sides meeting together. Um, mm-hmm. After our two last games against West Ham and Chelsea, they probably edge it in terms of their you know their run of form's been been longer. But I've been looking at the head to heads and we've lost four against them since we since the the two one when Ashley Williams scored from a corner, uh, Ronald Koeman's first season. So. I mean, I've never particularly felt confident up against Arsenal, whether that be particularly away. At home, I think after the last couple of games, you look at Liverpool, you look at Chelsea, that you know the the fans have been turning up, and 
that certainly gives the seems to give the you know our eleven players on the field, uh, you know, a certain boost in confidence. And fingers crossed that West Ham game was the players clicking under silver because it certainly had that feel to it. Like mm. we were, I said, I've said earlier, you know. That was for me Everton's first ninety minutes under Marco Silva, where we fully dominated the opposition. We were the better side. We played like we believed in ourselves in terms of our our forward movement, our conviction in our passing, um, the the link up play. People, you know, players on the ball knew who was running off the ball and where to find them. And from that, you know, from that perspective, it was a real enjoyable watch. And I think uh, you know we expected this coming into this point of the season. Um, we've got we we had you know some of the tough games have been saved until the, until the um, the latter part of the season, and you could argue that you know that's for the best of us. It it could raise our performance levels, raise what we expect of ourselves, considering when you see how we performed against the likes of of Chelsea in particular, and uh, as an Everton as an Evertonian, I think you know you've always got to be. In touch a bit with reality, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if we were, if we came away with no points, but I'm feeling a lot more confident coming up against them than if we would have given after that run that run in December. Uh, you know, our club is playing pretty strong right now. Um, you know, which means, uh, as I told told John earlier, my house is a mess. It's an absolute mess. I haven't had to clean after a game for a while. It's it's been great. I actually I didn't even go for a run today. I had to clean today because because it needed to happen. I haven't had that nervous energy after a match where I hate the world and I need to blow off some steam and I I'd rather not punch walls, so I clean. Uh so, so yeah, it's it's been uh it's been a nice little stretch for us. Uh and and that energy has been transferred in, into Goodison. You see the the, you, the 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 crowd has been awesome, and you, you hear the players comment on it. Um, it's just the energy, the energy around the club is a lot more positive right now, and it's been give and take. You know, it's been it's been from the 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 club, the the actual players upping their game, but it's also been the the crowd making effort. It's been a nice little mixture of both things. Like we talk all the time, most things are a gray area. You know, not just one or the other. And it has been a collaboration. Uh, Terry, uh, you know, possible starters is hard to figure out because they're, as Arsenal always is, they're pretty deep. Um, you know, they have Leno. They've, they've gotten themselves a, a quality keeper now. Uh, they, they had Peter Cech before, but he was starting to, to age a bit. Um, probably rolling with uh, Socrates, Koscielny, and Monreal. Maybe Mustafi, and I'm not going to say his first name, because of the way it sounds. Uh, and then uh, Maitland-Niles uh, on one side, uh, Gwenduzi, Ramsey, Kolasniak, uh, Ozil, Lacazette, and Obama-Yang. You might see Iwobi getting in there. Um, dangerous players for you, Terry. Which players do you feel like are going to give us any trouble? I mean, <clears throat> they've got... I, I really rate Arsenal's team. I think they've got fantastic players. They've got a few areas where they're not as strong as they are in others, but they've got two top strikers between them. I think they've got 30 goals this season, and they don't very often play in a partnership either, Lacazette and Aubameyang. Mm -hmm. it's just, I, I, I don't know about recently in their recent form, but I think typically they don't play the two of them when they're away from home. Like They might play two at home, and mm -hmm. that's... 
that's where I think we're gonna if we're gonna have any joy against Arsenal, it'll be because they're they're there to be got at away. Mm. They're absolutely like fantastic at the Emirates and they you know blow a lot of teams away. But when they're away from home, I think they've um, I think they've won five, lost five, and drawn six or seven or something like that. Um, so they, they do lose games away from home because they seem to um, play a little bit more conservatively and don't um, don't dominate games as much. But we've improved a lot in defence the last few games. Like since that uh, long seventeen day break, the Newcastle game aside, we've been really strong at the back. Sorted out a lot of the problems we had, pretty, you know, before that with the the silly fouls for set pieces and conceding goals from uh, set pieces as well. I think we're gonna have to really be on our game to stop whichever one he starts with. I think it's Lacazette at the minute, um, but it's been Aubameyang earlier in the season. Both of them present very different problems, and they're both quality. I think we've been linked with um, Aubameyang before he went to Arsenal, and. What a dream that'd be! He's absolutely brilliant. I think he was the top scorer for most of the season. I don't think he is now. I think he's fell behind a bit. But it's not even just that. Like Ozil, um, Ramsey. I think Ramsey might be injured, but he's playing like he's on a farewell tour <laughs> because mm. he's leaving the summer. He, mm. He's not sort of put his flip flops on. He's thinking, "I'm still here for a few more months. They're still playing me. I want to leave this club by getting them in the Champions League." And it's so tight for those Champions League spaces, so we are going to have a game on our hands with Arsenal because they can't afford to lose. They right. need to win their games out. Now, don't get me wrong, they're going to look at us and go, I wish we were away at Everton at the minute because we're in form and we've given them trouble before. And Frankly, we owe them one for that home game because we absolutely... We wasted so many chances... Uh, sorry, the home game for them, away right. for us. We wasted so many chances, though, in the first half and could have been two or three up at half-time if we'd have taken them. Plus their their ridiculous offsides goal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we were already one nil down, but we were well in the game, and we were at that point we hadn't had our mid season wobble yet. So we were, you know, we'd had a lot of few away games where we'd gone behind and come back into it. But that second goal, which was absolutely pathetic refereeing, it just killed the game. That we once yeah. you go two nil goals down, it kills the momentum or, or anything that we had. You know any belief that we had, and it, it it was one of a long series of stupid refereeing decisions we had at that time. Yeah. But it's up there with the worst because I think two of them were offside in the same move, and it, and it just <laughs> that that for me. I hope we stick one on them just for that because we it was we didn't deserve to lose that game. We deserved to get something out of it. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That was one of the ones that really started the. It does certainly seem to be raining shit on us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was, it was just stupid little decisions that happened. Um, yeah, I mean, Ramsey usually. You mentioned Ramsey. He usually plays well against us. You know, I feel like he tends to score on us. You yeah. know, that's that's. Uh, he, I don't know if I would normally, if I was another team, if I would write his name down as a danger man. But because he tends to score on us, yeah, I think we got to keep an eye on him. Um, yeah, I think if you don't see. Uh, Lacazette and Obama Yang starting uh, side by side. Iwobi will come in for one of those guys. That's I th- my guess is Lacazette would probably hit the bench and Obama Yang would be the one to start. Um, I f- I'm trying to remember. I feel like that's the way they started against Newcastle. I'm not sure, but I feel like that's the way they did. Um, but other than that, I mean, I mean, they'll probably run three in the back. With that, with the two wing backs, which I think that's kind of the way they've been doing things now for the most part. Um, 
I mean, which I, I, I don't really think that affects us too much as far as formation goes because we've played well against that formation recently. Uh, so that's not really an issue. Uh, I don't know. I think we're just looking at a, at a squad that just has a lot of depth. Um, but I don't look at them and say they're unbeatable. I don't. They've got, a quite, you know? a, they've got quite a few players out. Um, got Lucas Terea, who I'm a, a huge fan of. He's, he's a great player. Yeah, and Bellerin's fantastic. out too. Yeah, I, um, Xhaka too. Like mm. you know, so there are some admissions from the squad. Just a and, deep damn squad, isn't it? I mean, they yeah. just. And I, I suppose uh, we're going to touch on you know European football later, but you know to be to be constant in achieving European football—that's the type of squad depth that you need, and mm-hmm. you know a model that we should be looking at, 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 at replicating and for to seriously assault the European places in the future. And he said there, Jerry, like if, if they're rolling with the three at the back, that's you know that's full credit to Emery because you look back to his his severe teams. Um, I, I don't think they rolled with a three back. Um, mm. I'm pretty sure that was a, a solid four back. And you know, yeah, so he's he, you know he he's, he's dealt with what he's got and, and he's tried to make the best of of what he's got. He's not been stubborn, mm. yeah. and I feel that's why you know you kind of seeing the rewards of that now, but. I don't know. In 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 regards to Everton, I'd I'd love to just carry on, keeping these good big results coming. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure it do Marco Silva a huge boost come the end of the season. In terms, I know that he said with um, him and Marcel Brander already agreed on the summer targets. However, if you continue to pick up these big wins, uh, you know, on the telly for the world to see, mm-hmm. I'm sure that'd be a you know that that's a pull factor. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's huge. That's great marketing. <laughs> when you're when you're like you know internationally shown all over the you know all over the world, and you're actually giving these these teams, you're outplaying them. Uh, that's the that was the thing that really bugged me about the Arsenal match, man. That for we actually we did not do what we did last season, which is you know the not in the face treatment. We actually <clears throat> went out there. We had opportunities, and I think we were lamenting being clinical at that point. That was one of the things we were really talking about. We had chances, but we just were not finishing. We're still having some issues with being clinical, still having that. However, we were against West Ham. We were just flat out dominant. We had almost all the opportunities. And when you do that, you better damn well outscore the opponent Mm -hmm. when you have all of them, you know? So, I don't know. I'm... I don't know. I, I guys, I, I got to be honest. We play these these uh, top six teams, and I'm I, I get excited for them. You know, I know for a little while we were like, oh shit, but now it's like I I feel like they're winnable. I really do. Yeah, you kind of you kind of these performances against top six sides this season, bar a few, for example, Tottenham at home. Oh. You know, they're a complete juxtaposition. You, you know, for, and I'll take the the two, the home and away games against Arsenal last season. You know, getting beat five two at home and getting absolutely demolished five one away, like they they were like bottom of the barrel, lowest of the low last season. They were you know really rub, yeah. rubbing salt in the wound type type of performances, and yeah. I, I, I can't see performances like that coming from us anymore now. You know, because I've got a lot of confidence from the last few showings, and it's a it, you know it is a completely different team with different players and it appears mm. a completely different mentality so you know 
fingers crossed, for example, the likes of Bernard, Richarlison, Dean continue the fine four. This is why these players come to Everton uh, or the Premier League in a big way. Like with your a player from abroad, from another country, a different league, you don't come over to play against Burnley. You go, you want to play Arsenal, you want to play Tottenham, you want to play Chelsea, you want to play Man United. It sounds bad, but if you're a player, if you go to Italy, do you want to play Sampdoria or do you want to play AC Milan or do you want to play Juventus? You, you do. You do. The, the players want to come to this league. And these are the games that they look forward to the most, the games that they probably watched on their TV when they weren't in this league. So these are the games you really want to be performing in because not only will it make the players you've got here, you know, more confident if they can, you know, they can compete at that level. They go, well, I can I can hang with the, you know, with, with players at Chelsea, players at Liverpool, players at Arsenal because, you know, we've played against them and, you know, we've done all right. It's all well and good beating the teams you're meant to beat, but that's the way most top players have always played. Because like, it's like that in a lot of, but it's even more like that in other countries where, um, you know, the top teams beat the lower teams practically 95% of the time. It's the same here, where it, yeah, we might not beat the lower teams every time out, but the games they look forward to are the, are the big TV games, the big Sky games. The that's what people are attracted to in the Premier League. It's what they like to watch when they're not yeah. in this league. So you want to be seen beating these sides. And the fact that we went two years without doing it, Silva said himself, that can't happen again. It was ridiculous. And it's, yeah. it would have done eventually lasting damage because it would have made us unattractive to players we had to bring in from abroad, I think. Yeah, it's nice to actually look forward to those games now, isn't it? Because as you say, those last two years, you know, those big games, they just felt like chores. Yeah. Yeah, Terry, you bring up a point. Uh, I know when not the same thing at all, and I feel silly mentioning it, but this is my example. When I was a senior in in high school trying to pick what college I was going to play for, I, one of the things I did was I looked at the schedules for the schools that were that that had recruited me, and I saw which big teams they played. I wanted to see who they played against. And the team I ended up signing for, the school I ended up signing for, played like you know two huge local schools that I knew that I used to follow when I was growing up, you know Wake Forest and NC State. So I got to play against those teams, and that's almost the highlight of my playing career forever was doing that. You know what I mean? So not the same thing at all because it's like it's like you know comparing, you know, Pop Warner, you know, American football to NFL football. It's not the same thing at all, but it's it's a name recognition thing and it's it's sort of vicariously getting your dream it's not the it's not your dream move, but it you're getting a, an equivalent to it. You know what I mean? So it's it's a big thing for them. So yeah. a, a strong performance for us would would do a lot for recruitment this summer. If they don't even know, they it could be we've already got our people lined up and it's already going to happen. <laughs> no, you mm. never know with Marcel. It doesn't hurt. Yeah. It doesn't hurt because it's all about half of it is about perception as a club, and that mm. will lead into what we're going to talk about next. But um, yeah, Bernard, when he comes from um, Ukraine, he doesn't come here thinking I can't wait to play Huddersfield. He wants to play Man United. He wants to play Arsenal. It's it sounds harsh on those teams. They're your bread and butter games, but they these are what those players. The games those players want to win, it's a play in, and it's nice as supporters to win those games because you just think, ah, oh, it feels great for supporters and it feels great for the players as well. Yeah, yeah, that's. It's really hard to argue that. 
<laughs> you know, argue against that anyway. Um, predictions, let's make these quick. Uh, Terry, what's your prediction? Um, I'm going to go with 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. I'll be happy with that because they're a good team and they need, they're in form and they need the victory. But I think we have got it in us. I think we'll, we'll get a 1-1. One, one. Maxi Rodriguez, what do you got? Never say that again. <laughs> um, two, 2 one Arsenal. Which one was Maxi Rodriguez? He's the one who played for uh, Argentina. Yeah, I'm pretty certain Liverpool. that's who it was. That guy played for Liverpool? Yeah, he did. I never knew that! He was the guy with the craziest goal ever. Like, that's ridiculous super volley. But that's the one yeah. I'm thinking of from Argentina. I never knew he played for Liverpool. Now I feel like a real yeah. jerk. Mm. Yeah, very, very See, I didn't know that. That sucks. Yeah, I used to get that in school. Shit. Maxi Rodriguez. <laughs> See, you can tell I did, I've done a lot more research on on Everton than I have on Liverpool, because fuck them. Uh, <laughs> I may even keep this portion because it shows how naive I am. Uh, <laughs> at first, I was like, "Why is he saying that? It's just embarrassed because it's a team a player." No, if he played for Liverpool, that's shitty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, what did you say? Because it totally your prediction was overshadowed by by Liverpool shit. Two on Arsenal. Mm. Two one Arsenal. I want to flip yeah. that around. I actually think two one we win, because why not? See, and this is a nice balanced uh, panel of predictions. Very balanced. Two one 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 two one. There we go. All right. So now we're not screwing karma over in any way. <laughs> <laughs> so it shouldn't screw us over. All right. So that's it for our Arsenal preview. So we need to talk about Europa League. It's a thing. Uh, you, once, once Everton started winning again, uh, people started talking about it. Some people were like, no, I don't want it. Other people are like, you're an idiot if you don't want it. And you see all these kinds of opinions on the social media. I'm sure you hear it if you talk to other humans at the pub and whatnot. Uh, yeah, uh, it's an interesting situation. Right now, Everton are currently four points out of seventh. All right? Um, I believe that's Wolves that are in seventh right now, who are playing well. Uh, just got a win over United this week. I, I mean, they're a good team. We've known they're a good team. Before they even came to the Premier League, we knew they were pretty good. Um, but right now, we have to think about Wolves and Watford. That's pretty much who we'd be scrapping for seventh place. I. Right now, just to think about like likelihood, and I'm sorry I'm talking too much, but this is a thing we I gotta get out. Uh, we've got Arsenal, Fulham, United, Palace, Burnley, and Spurs left. Okay, uh, Wolves have Southampton, Brighton, Arsenal, Watford, Fulham, and Liverpool. And Watford's got Arsenal, Huddersfield, Southampton, Wolves, Chelsea, and West Ham. It's it's pretty balanced, all three of those. All right, so I think it could really go either way. If I want to be really technical, the Wolves have the easiest path, uh, but not by much. It's very minimal. Um, so the question here, guys, is, let's start with how likely do we feel like it, it is actually that we even get 
seventh place and managed to get a Europa League spot. Uh, Terry, you went on record last time as saying, should we be talking about this? So <laughs> let's just get your opinion. Pretend like we should. And, and let's figure out like likelihood of actually getting seventh. Um, likelihood of getting seventh is different to the likelihood of getting the Europa League. Because the Europa League, the seventh place is only a Europa League spot if City win the FA Cup or a team that is in one of the European places winning the FA Cup. So currently, I don't remember the fourth team, but Watford, Wolves and Manchester City Brighton. are all in. And Brighton, there we go. And Brighton are all in the FA Cup semi-final. Now, if Man City win the FA Cup, then it's seventh becomes the European slot. Mm-hmm. If Wolves, Watford or Brighton win it, which is, you know... City are better than them, but you never know. Wolves and Watford, you know, because have surprises before. Probably less likely it's Brighton. If they win the FA Cup, then it doesn't matter. We could be seventh, and we still wouldn't get Europe. If Wolves win the FA Cup, if Watford win the FA Cup, they get there in Europe, no matter where they finish. Right now, if it's now if Man City do win it, we've still got a tall order on to get that seventh spot because. Mm-hmm. Ours is probably the slightly not by much, but it's it's the hardest running because we've got to play Man United, we've got to play Arsenal, we've got to play mm-hmm. Spurs. They are all still fighting for Champions League spaces, so they will be needing to beat us. They, they, they there'll be none of this like you know, catch them on you know, <coughs> the flops or anything like that. I don't think it's very likely that we're going to do it. Not because I don't think we can do. It. I think we may have left it a bit late. I think we. We're going to run out of games before we can overhaul them. And even if we do, there's always the chance that they could turn around and go, well, we need only need to win. If one of the Wolves or Watford, um, the winner of that semi-final, if they fall away in the league, they can still turn around and say, we only need to win one game and we can, we're, in, we're in Europe. So it's not likely, but... The answer to your next question is, yes, we absolutely should be striving to be in Europe. Max, go first, and then we'll go into why why I think that. Okay, and I'm going to go ahead and say I I also, I think we're going to finish in eighth. That's, I think we will not quite get there. Uh, And we'll get to the other question in a minute. Spoiler, Terry, with your preemptive answers. Uh, Max, what do you think about... uh, possibilities of getting getting seventh uh let's or let's be more specific europa league because i i think city's gonna get win fa cup but it is a it's not a definite yeah possibly probably but i think my my opinion if everton were going to achieve seventh place has changed the hell or not now following wolves 2-1 win over united like i don't know i just feel like all the momentum swinging their way at the moment and mm. I th- within within the one point, I was you know obviously after after the good performance against Liverpool, after Chelsea, after uh, West Ham, I think within one point, and if if um, if Wolves get beat by Manchester United, you know it could, you know there could be a real high probability of us of, of us attaining that, but you know uh, it's probably you know I haven't seen. Wolves against I haven't seen the game or the highlights or anything, but that's not really a surprise result. Like Wolves have been that team everyone's expected them to be since they've come up from the championship. Like they were champions of the of the second division, and they've just you know they've been absolutely fantastic. They've got a you know a modern template as a club as a whole. I feel from 
from Jorge Mendes, from Mendes to Espirito Santo to the formation that they play, like and the the deserving of, of being where they are. Um, as to whether I'd want Everton to to finish in that seventh place, it means we, what is it? We're in the, the second qualifying round, and that means we'd have to do, you know we'd have to do the tours of the slums of Europe, playing against. God knows who, and that 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 tends to be more of a hindrance to your to your season in the long run, as as we've seen from you know last season, like even you know the the um the qualifying rounds even then weren't that much of a cakewalk, and we just got absolutely decimated in the group stages, like it was embarrassing. Like Atalanta had a really good season that season, uh, Leon and still are today a, a really top team. And we even bloody struggled against Limassol. I know it's an entirely different team, but you know, if you just think in the long run, how would that parallel to our Premier League season? And yeah, I want Everton to be fighting on all fronts, and I want us to be in European competition. However, as we've talked about many other times on the show, like I just don't feel like we've got the depth at the moment. Like on that bench, our reluctancy to, to to bring Luckman on in particular like that's the you know that's the quality of the backup that you need mm-hmm. like it can't be Theo Walcott it can't be eh, Ching Tosin but it's getting to that point now where he's not you know he's not coming on and changing games for us so yeah I don't, I don't feel like Everton have got a strong enough squad and who, who knows depending on I don't know what kind of approach we're going to take in terms of recruitment in the summer um, but I think that needs to be, you know, in the long-term aim, in that the players that we do recruit have to lend the hand in if we do get into European competition or start getting to the latter phases of a cup competition, that they can lend a hand and they can, you know, they can be an able deputy because this, it, it, with our with our club, I feel at the minute in terms of the squad, there's a you know there's a huge drop off in quality between the starting eleven and the bench and. That's something that we've got to aim at changing. Yeah, you look at the squads the past four years that finished uh, around seventh and still made Europa League. Uh, Burnley finished seventh and uh, is currently in 17th. Yeah, they position. crushed out. Uh, we were the team before that. Uh, we had finished in seventh the year before, and we finished eighth. Uh, West Ham the year before was in 7th. They finished 11th the next year. Uh, and Southampton, oddly enough, was 7th, and the next year they were 6th. So, uh, however, they were, I think they were uh, pretty solid in terms of their their squad depth and their manager situation at that point. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know that it really crushes your team. You know what I mean? Like, it may feel like it crushes your squad to go, but uh, most of these teams that crashed out so early, uh, they were playing with kids. They threw kids in their games. They weren't playing a lot of their first-team players at all. Um, We played more of our first-team players than I expected in those early rounds. Um, uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's just really hard to get out of the groups. After you get past those initial stages in the in the middle of the summer like that, um, yeah. early in the summer, it's just not easy. Uh, having well, said that, I want Europa League. I want European football every single year. I don't care if we're barely stitching together eleven players to start. I want it. 
it's just I, I, to the idea of uh, of playing any more games excites me. Period. Can't help it. So Terry, go ahead and talk. I had to get that off my chest though. At some point. <laughs> well, no, I'm in full agreement. I mean, yeah, I mean the cons of the competition are legitimate. Like Max touched on a little bit there. It is very demanding on your squad. It is. It does have an um, an effect on your league campaign if you haven't got the the appropriate level of quality and numbers. Yeah to cope with it that is a legitimate concern now a lot of people who don't want to get in the Europa League I don't think it's because they dislike the Europa League I think it's because they feel the foundation isn't in place yet for us to really go into it and, and make mm. a good effort in it like I think a lot of people would be like well we'll we'll get this summer's recruitment out the way and then hopefully have a much more streamlined stripped back streamlined squad um, with better quality and then if we get in Europe next year We'll go into the season after and have a lot more about us to you know to really go for it. Legitimate, you know, point of view, but for me, it's just I always want Everton to be in Europe. The drawbacks for me are nowhere near as enough to put me off the the benefits that you get. Like the there are extra games, but it has a it has a massive effect on status as a club. It has a massive effect on your attractiveness to new players. Now, you could say, well, whenever we've been in Europe in the past, we haven't, you know, it hasn't affected everyone. <coughs> That's true. But I think with this new transfer strategy that Brands has alluded to in the last couple of weeks, we're going to be looking to pick up young players, mostly from other leagues in Europe and abroad and in South America. Now, they will be attracted by a club playing European football. It might not have might not made it much of a difference to if we were going to sign a player from Burnley who are already established in the Premier League and, you know, they, mm-hmm. they just want to go to a bigger, better club. Europe is a massive carrot for new players, especially young new players from other countries because they all... It's only really this country where we don't take the Europa League very seriously. Like We actually are the only club who treat the Europa League with respect from the offset the bigger clubs do it when they get later in the competition and their league form's gone a bit wonky and they see it as an opportunity to get in the Champions League and earlier in the competition the bigger teams just play their second string and the reason it's seen as sort of a poison chalice as you touched on before it's because it a lot of the clubs who haven't got the infrastructure haven't got the size as a club to cope with European football it really adversely affects them. Now, you listed off the teams who finished 7th and gone in in the earlier rounds. Burnley finished 17th the year after all. Well, they might finish 17th and <laughs> it's not over yet, but it's affected them. They didn't even play in the group stage. They haven't really, you know, they can't blame that. That's that's because they're not, as a club, big enough to, to play European football yet. Mm. They need to build up into it. We built up into it. Mm. Everton... Everton have got the sort of the squad might not be ready. It's a legitimate concern size-wise. The first team, if we just played European football, it'd be fine. But if we went into Europe, other teams around Europe would be like, I really don't want to get Everton because they're a good team and they always do apart from the anomaly of last season, they always do quite well in the Europa League. Now last season I don't think our season was poor due to the Europa League. I think it was poor because of a botched transfer window, which left us with a horribly unbalanced squad. We had three number 10s and one striker. It just it just didn't work. And we, it, wasn't, it didn't help, don't get me wrong, but the demands physically were not the cause of our problems. They were a symptom of our problems, that we didn't have the depth in the right areas. We had one left-back 
who was over 30 and we were playing twice a week. I, I just think attractiveness to players, attractiveness to sponsors. If we're in the Europa League every single year and we we just re-signed with Umbro because we weren't attractive enough to some of the bigger brands at a high, a high tier, maybe we would be if we were in Europe every year. We've got all those eyeballs on us. I, I understand why people are a bit apprehensive about Europe because of the, the effect it can have on the league campaign. But I think Everton belong in Europe. I think Everton have got the infrastructure and the history to be in Europe consistently. And I think we should always want to be and just do what the other big clubs do and just weather the, the negative effects and don't let it derail your season. Because all the other clubs, they, they, they the top six clubs... They don't let European football wreck their season because they used to be in it. Mm-hmm. We are, you know, big picture wise over the last 15, 20 yeah. years, we're used to being in Europe. Burnley aren't, West Ham aren't, Southampton aren't. We are. We're the seventh biggest club in Europe, in, <laughs> not in Europe, in England. That'd be great. Seventh biggest <laughs> club in England. We are the team who would be going into Europe and belonging there. The other clubs, they get it one season, they don't do very well, they play kids or they crash out. Never see them again. Everton, for the path, I think a year out of Europe should be the exception, not a year into Europe like the rest of them. Yeah, uh, for me, it's the same. It's the same, a similar kind of thing. You want to be competing for cups. You know, you want to you want to actually have a legitimate shot at uh, at silverware, regardless of what it is. You know, so I. I want us to stay in League Cup as long as possible. I want us to stay in FA Cup as long as possible. And, you know, whether it's Europa League, Champions League, I don't care. I I just want us to have more opportunities uh, to play. And it's such a it's such a big thing. I remember uh, when there was that season when West Ham was going to have Europa League and they were going to and they were and they were moving to their new stadium and that's when this rivalry thing developed you know what i mean it really took a hold this whole west ham started stealing players that from us that we were that we were talking to you know like and they had europa league we didn't and they had their their big new stadium and it was like they were hitting this new era you know what i mean and that europa league aspect was really convincing for some players the idea of playing in europe it's a big thing it's a big deal um and are are we being impatient? You know what I mean. It's a it's a it's a question. Uh, you know, I, we're we're saying yeah, we want to go ahead and get there. And I think a lot of people would say, why don't we be patient and build our build a base first? I get that. It's what you're saying, Terry. Uh, that other people w- would be saying. I honestly though, I feel like the more we play, the more experience we get, and we just need we need to be getting that experience as as a culture like as a as an as a as a collective you know what I mean and that's gonna help us prep for for the ones in the future so there's a couple ways of looking at it here. I don't think that people who don't want Europa League are silly uh I think they're they want what's best for the club. I just happen to think this might be best for the club if it happens, and you know what this this conversation could be all for naught. Finishing eight. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, I think the club are preparing for next season, thinking they're not in Europe, and it will. I, I sort of can't lose in this scenario because I don't think it will be a bad thing if we're not in Europe because it will, it will be more in within our development plan, big mm-hmm. picture wise. I think it'd be more in, you know, it'd be more beneficial 
in a lot of ways to the players and then go into Europe maybe next time a lot more prepared and a lot more capable. But I just think with everything else, like sponsors for uh, the stadium, everything, status, every all those things, those variables, I think I would imagine that the the boardroom want to be in Europe and then just let's just deal with it on the pitch. Whereas the players and the coaching staff probably, well, maybe not the players, but the coaching staff and that side of things probably thinking maybe not this time. We've got stuff to do before we do that. I don't know. Yeah, I think what you said earlier though, Terry, and I've, I've had that conversation before, like historical context is hugely important when it comes to teams competing. I don't find that it's not just specific to the Europa League, I think it's just European football in general, Like, mm-hmm. and I think the finest example of that is when you got, you know, when you see right when Real Madrid did the unthinkable and won the, you know, won the Champions League year after year after year, you know, that comes from being in the Champions League for so long mm. and uh, as you say like Everton his, I think historically was still the fourth most successful club in English football so you know we, we should be in and around Europe every season ideally um, and you, you know you cast your mind back to you, you know you can excuse last campaign but the, you know the last couple of times we've been in the Europa League I think it was the 14-15 the season before we were knocked out by Dynamo Kiev a lot of not just our supporters, but a lot of you know fans that were watching the Europa, Europa League assumed we were one of the favourites to go on and win the bloody mm. thing. And mm. you know, catch your mind back. I'm going to say, well, I, I can't remember the you know the season to date, but when we were knocked out on pens against Fiorentina, for example, like you know we when we compete in the Europa League, we do assemble a really good. You know, we have a real good go at it. And as as Teddy said, you look at our current start at eleven, you see some of the you know. Some of the just from an individual basis, like, could you imagine? I, you know, he's got experience at, at Champions League football with Shakhtar. Can you imagine just how good Bernard would be in the Europa, Europa League? Luca Dean in the Europa League with Charleston in the Europa League. They all, you know, they, they, that gets me excited. The mm-hmm. idea of seeing those players in European football and just you know what levels could they reach? Mm-hmm. But. And I think, and I agree with everything you're saying in terms of in terms of the marketability of the club, and and you know sponsorship endorsements and just you know getting us out there. But when it comes to falling back on that squad depth, it's just something mm. that isn't there, and that that worries me. In that it had stunt our progress in regards to mm. league finishing, in terms of morale, in terms of fitness. Because don't forget when you you know you're starting your season, what July. Yeah, I, yeah I, I feel like we need a good pre-season because you know you look at a lot of the, the new signings from last summer. They st- you know they didn't get a, a, a full pre-season with Evan. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I feel like that'd help them out. Uh, you know, a huge lot. So plus, selfishly, um, if for some reason some kind of Everton trip to America happens, if we're playing Europa League in July, that won't that will be off. So. Yeah. Just saying, that's my my argument against it. <laughs> I think I think the practical reality is we're not going to get it, and it's probably no bad thing for on the pitch reasons. It'll help the club establish, help the club in their recovery from the several years of mismanagement they've had. We're we're currently in the middle of a reset. You know, we've seen stories of all the old players are going to get you know let go, and we're going to build up. Nothing but youth and build a team and grow a team from from young players and so on. So it could probably do with being out of Europe next season, realistically. 
and then when when the cement is dry, they'll go back into Europe and we'll reassume our position as what I think. I mean, I've spoken to people when I've been on holiday and stuff like that. I think the perception of Everton, and I don't want this to go away, is you look at the Premier League and the English teams and you, you think the top six. The top six, the top six, and you say, well, who's the Europa League club in in, in England? They go, Everton. Because we're all, we've been in it a lot. We always, apart from last season, which was an anomaly because, let's be honest, that season was as shit as it gets with all the manager changes and stuff like that. But they know us as the big... The same way you look at France and go, Leon, like, Memphis Depay is Thursday night Neymar. He's, like, we're... You look at at France and you see Leon in the chat in the Europa League, you think they're they're a top Europa League team. Might not be a Champions League team, but they're a top Europa League team. I think that's the way we're perceived. Look at our players. Max said it. We went in the Europa League. You'd say they've got Bernard, they've got Sigurdsson, they've got Andre Gomez, they've got Luca Dean, they've got good players. We our perception is the Europa League level team in England. The same way you'd look at other countries and pick players out. We are, and I don't want that to go away by spending too long out of it because one year out, one year in it. Nobody, nobody looks at West Ham and thinks European Europa League level team, even though realistically they're probably not that different than us. Mm. But big picture wise, perception wise, I still want to maintain that. There's the top six, then there's Everton in the Europa League, and then everyone else is below that. I, there's the United Neymar comedy yeah. goal. My hat goes off to you. That was phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is that yours? <laughs> is that yours, or or did you hear that from someone else? Because holy hell, I I I, I want to. I wish we could just end the video as soon as you said that. Uh, <laughs> That's what I'm, I was going to say Thursday night messy, but it just didn't roll off the top. Thursday, Thursday night, night neighbor is the alliteration. You got to you got to go with that, that, man. There he is. The Memphis Depay is Thursday night neighbor, and Leon are Thursday night Barca. The, like, and I think we are Thursday night. Who would it be? Man United. <laughs> the team, the team with the most sort of prestige of that bracket not in the champions league when we never are in the champions league hopefully that'll change in time but they are in the europa league and they're always good and they always beat other good teams like when we were in in with martinez and i just don't want that to go away i don't want to spend so long out of it for the sake of you know for the sake of you know just setting up you know to correct mistakes we made in the transfer market if we're out of it for next season i want that to be the end of it we're back in it we're back in it for good after that you need yeah. Ideally, because we win the FA Cup, not because we finish seventh. I'd like mm-hmm. to win the FA Cup and go straight into it in a perfect world. Yeah. You need to be in touch with uh, some Lyon fans to be able to market the, the, the Thursday Night Neymar t-shirts and posters. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm telling you, that, that's, that's so good. All right, we need to end because this has taken like a thousand hours. Um, so that's, that's it for our Europa League se- segment. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for If You Know Your History, the Everton-based quiz segment that features Terry against Max in a cage match of Toffee's Wit and Might. There, that went smoothly. All right, so this is a starting 11 quiz for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about. 
it shouldn't be difficult to figure out. Uh, I name a match from the past, and these two gents take turns going back and forth, listing players that started or came in as subs. Basically, the players that played. Uh, it's got to be Everton players if they try to tell me players from the other team. That's right out. So, um, and, and if we get to a point where uh, we run out of uh, players that played, we'll go to players that did not play. All right. So, um, let's see here. Something I can... We're going to flip this GoPro stand. This is heads. This is tails. Terry, it's your turn to call it. Tails. It is tails. And it went all the way across the room, and I'm not going to go get it. For, for I am lazy. <laughs> What'd you say? All right, I, I jumped the gun. Oh, I would like to... How about you guess? Terry is going second. All right, so um, that means we will be beginning with Max. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, for the editor, who is a distinguished gray-headed man this time with glasses and talking to you right now, cue, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> cue uh, intense quiz music, music, please. And there it is. So, the 23rd of September, 2014. This is kind of a downer. Swansea 3, Everton nil. Swansea's first ever win over... Uh, first ever win over Everton. Um, this, this one, this one yeah, kind of sucked. Uh, so, uh, Max, mm-hmm. you, may, you may begin when ready, uh, listing off uh, the Everton players that, that played. Tim Howard. Tim Howard. What a guess. Yes. He did start. <sighs> Terry, what do you got, man? Um, 2014, uh, Distan, Sylvan Distan. Yes, he did start. That is that is correct. Hmm. I remember watching this game in a pub with my granddad. Um, Tony Hibbert. Tony Hibbert, yes. I remember him playing. He did. Terry? Samuel Etu. Yes. I remember, I remember that because Martinez used to do this thing where instead of playing him at home where he'd get lots of the ball like he should have, he used to play Etu away all the time. Like, and he'd play him on the wing or he'd start him on yeah. his own. But like, what the hell? He's not using him at right at all. But, yeah, well. Well, you're right. You are correct. He- Started that one. Yes, Swansea. Max. Aiden McGeady. Aiden McGeady did start. He did. Scored the other night. Sunderland. Yeah, he did. I saw that. One of those rare instances where I know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> Terry, what do you got? Um. Remember this because it was shocking. Oviedo baby. Yes. Oviedo baby. Seeing him in that Sunderland show, I was like, ah, he's still nice. You know, what a nice guy. Max, you are. Uh, Leon Osmond. Leon Osmond did play. He came on as a sub. He was the third sub. Terry. 
Um, Romelu Lukaku. Lukaku came in as the first sub. 45th minute for Eto. Antolin Alcaraz. Yes. I remember him playing, and I remember that season. Yes, yes. Good God. Yeah, he started. I mean, as if the scoreline didn't tell you enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he did. So, you got four players left to list who started, and uh, one player left who came on as a sub. It's difficult. Kevin Morales? He did not play. Kevin Morales did not play. He did not start and he did not come on as a sub. Hold on. He scored. He scored in that kit though. I was going to say, I, I was sure he played as well, but... He scored, he scored in that kick, it was the black kick, it was one of the few occasions that we actually wore the black kick. He scored in that kick against Tottenham. I'm, I'm, I'm actually surprised he didn't, he didn't play against Swansea there. Yeah, the lineup is weird, guys. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Did, this was strange. Did Atsu play? Because Atsu was going to be my next show, because I know that was the season we had him on loan. Atsu did start. He did. Um, I'll Looks go nice kid. Huh? <laughs> Such nice kits that year. Those, those, that black mm. kit was nice. Was that, that, that was my my special year, wasn't it? Where we had the baby socks and the uh, and the, the purple and white away kits. I'm sure that's the season. That's that's, yes. that's, that's Terry's year. It is Terry, Terry's year. Kits <laughs> <laughs> wise, that's my year. Yeah. Ooh, that's that's beautiful. That's. <laughs> uh, we should go ahead and uh, list the rest because Terry, you had gone second, so that means Max has actually won this one. Um, uh, Atsu did start um, along with uh, Mo Besic and uh, Darren Gibson, and the other person who started, which makes this weird, Luke Garbett. Got two left backs on the field. I'm assuming one of them was playing a left wing type yeah. position. I, I think. Oviedo maybe played right back. Did well, Hibbert start? Hibbert started, oh, Hibber, yeah. Hibbert played, Hibber played, yeah, I remember Hibbert playing. Yeah, it was weird. Really bizarre little setup there. Um, and uh, the other sub was uh, James McCarthy, who came in in the 58th minute for Oviedo. And on the bench, you had Robles, Kone, Morales, and Browning. Um, and the goals were by Dyer, Sigurdsson, and Emnes. So, uh, yeah, that was a little stroll down Depression Lane. Uh, A lot of players, isn't there? Like, no Barkley, no Barry, no Chagielka. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, Mm. no no Baines. I mean, there's a lot of good players missing from that little group. You know what? Playing the Europa League and with a a squad that's not good enough, and you get league matches like that. Exactly. (laughs) That's what I mean. Like, that's, you know what? That, that that screams that we've played our best players in the Europa League. That's with same week. That is exactly <laughs> what that screams. That is a good shout, man. That's fair. Yeah. Uh. Um. So, uh, now that this is now that that is over, uh, Terry, I, I'm sorry you did well, but this is Max's round. 
Uh, Max, my friend, you have you have won the honor of picking the tune on which we play out the show. What <clears throat> is your tune, sir? Give me shelter, the stones. Oh my god! <laughs> now I have never heard of the Rolling Stones. Are they a are they a good band? Uh, Ma- <laughs> Martin Scorsese thinks so. Yeah, my god! Every every teaser trailer ever. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge, I love that damn song. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, um, there is a really good documentary on Netflix. I know it is on Netflix, um, American Netflix. Uh, uh, it's, I think it's 20 feet from stardom. It's about backup singers and they do a whole segment on the backup singer that did backup vocals. You know, the, the, the woman vocalist in that, that you hear, uh, uh, apparently like. She showed up like they they told her to come in and she had been sick and she just came in feeling sick and she just sang her guts out and she's a badass. <laughs> she's the one in Gimme Shelter in that song and you hear her and you're like, who is that woman singing her absolute guts out? And it's this damn woman. Gimme Shelter, uh, Gimme Shelter. She's in there and that movie is uh, 20 Feet from Stardom. So yeah, check it. It's a docu- I think it won Best Documentary at the Oscars one year. It's about backup singers and how their careers work. Uh, it's kind of fascinating. But Gimme Shelter is... That's a good one, Max. Thanks, damn. Man. Damn. Good one. Holy hell. Um, and the movie of that title, the documentary, by the way, is really good movie if you ever see it. Uh, yeah. It's uh, basically this huge concert. Uh, I think it was at Altamont. And the uh, Hell's Angels did security at it. And it turned into like this big riot. Um, yeah. The, it's by the, like these amazing American filmmakers, documentary filmmakers called the Maisels Brothers. Give me shelter, find find that movie too. Um, but yeah, just an epic. There's a reason why everyone uses it in their trailer. Yeah, I was trying <laughs> to think like what specific Scorsese film it's in because I, I don't think it's in The Departed. Like The Departed's been stuck in my head for ages, but I don't think Give Me Shelter's in The Departed. I'm just trying to think what Scorsese film it's in. Uh, Terry, are you are you googling this? Yeah, I was about to. Okay, good. Google it so we've got it because I feel like this information is good for posterity. Because <laughs> it just starts so like like chill, and it gets so it, intense. It appears in Goodfellas, Casino, and The Departed. So, All there three. we go. All three. That's ridiculous. There we have it. Well, you know, Pacino was meant to play uh, in Frank Costello. In, uh, in, in Goodfellas? In The Departed. In Departed? Okay, yeah. I, was like, I was like, hold on, is that the character in Goodfellas? Okay, I haven't seen The Departed no, no. in a while. Oh, oh, I think I know which role you're talking about. Yeah, Are the, you talking the one that Jack, Jack, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson role, yeah? Yeah, yeah. apparently Al Pacino was meant to play that role. Uh, oh I can't remember. Apparently there was like a whole, a whole backstory to it, but I don't know. I've just been... Ever since seeing the Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood trailer, I've just been like, yeah, man, Scorsese. Like, it looks it looks lost, doesn't it? Hold on, hold on. I thought that was Tarantino. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Shit, sorry. Well, either or. It's okay, I'll, okay. Cut out, I'll cut out that part. Okay. <laughs> okay. By the way, okay. I watched that trailer. Kyle had me watch that trailer. That trailer is when I, see, when I see Leo, when I see Leo, when I see DiCaprio... I just kind of, I just kind of just go full circle to Scorsese straight I know, away. I know. I'm like, we'll, we'll speak to the path. 
bing, bing, bing. But, yeah, tune in it. Yeah, so good. All right, I don't know when I'm going to start this in here, but I don't know. It's a, God, it's badass. And I, Got the, it those, there from the off. Slow build. Yeah, I know. I know. I could really could really throw that one in there pretty much wherever. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's that's it. We've given the, the song some discussion, so we can legally use it. Uh, so, uh, I guess that, that's that's it for the big show. Uh, if you've been listening via podcast, thanks so much. You should subscribe to our podcast if you're listening, because why not? It doesn't hurt you at all. Um, additionally, check out our YouTube channel. Uh, our faces are on there. Our voices, too. Um, yeah, and I have a an inflatable bear behind me. I'm not even kidding. If you just haven't seen it, it's a thing. Yeah. So, uh, so is that uh, inflatable? Yeah. I, I thought like solid. No, like, that no. It's 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 totally. It's my buddy Kyle's. He hit a black bear with his car one time when he was in the mountains of North Carolina, and one of his relatives gave him gave him this inflatable bear head to put on his uh, on his wall. It's, <laughs> It's fantastic. So good. I, I had I had no other set decoration for so I had to like I had to be like, can I use this, please? So <laughs> he's super nice. Anyway, uh, so uh, check out uh, check out all that stuff. Check out Terry on the uh, Liverpool Echo fan jury. He appears on there every once in a while. Look at his Twitter for that. Check out Max on the Toffee Blues website. Look at his Twitter to see when he's appearing there. Look at the check out the. Uh, Toffee Blues website anyway. It's brand spanking new. It's got a new format. It's It's got all these new bells and whistles. It's kind of rad. Uh, Webmaster John made all that happen. So check that out. Also, just follow the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I have nothing else to say to you. So I'm cutting this off now. Except for I'm going to say bye. Bye, Terry. Thanks so much, man. Bye, guys. Good talk as always. All right, Max. Thanks, man. Peace out. Peace out. And uh, here's some amazing vocals from this lady going off, I'm sure. Yeah, Rolling Stones. Bye!